Welcome to The Lending Lowdown. I'm CJ Doherty, Director of Analysis at Refinitiv LPC. And today I'm delighted to say we're going across the Atlantic to hear about the current trends in the European leveraged finance market. And so it's great to be joined by Ben Thompson, Head of EMEA Leverage Finance Capital Markets at JP Morgan. Ben, thanks for joining me. CJ, thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Great. And so before we dive into the Q&A on market conditions, can you give us a little bit of background about your role at JP Morgan and also how after starting your career in the US, you ended up in London? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll be brief so we can talk about uh, more interesting content. But uh, my, ro- my role here is, um, the, as you mentioned, head of EMEA Leveraged uh, Finance Capital Markets for JP Morgan in, uh, in Europe, based in London. So anything that we get involved with uh, relating to underwriting and distributing uh, high yield bonds or leveraged loans will run through uh, the team that I run. Uh, and uh, we'll also get involved as well in some of the underwriting uh, on investment grade uh, uh, loans, both for EMEA, uh, but also for, for the MENA region. Uh, I've been here 12 and a half years. Before that, I was with the firm for almost 20 years in the U.S., largely in the leverage finance capital markets team. So that is me. Okay, great. So thanks for that background information. Now let's discuss conditions in the European high yield bond and leverage loan markets. And I guess to start off, like how are both markets faring now that the summer holiday season is over? Uh, great question. Uh, things we've come back in, in very robust health uh, in both products uh, for f- substantially similar reasons. I think we had a very quiet uh, issuance month in August. And that's always a, a, a trigger for cash balances to start building. Uh, I think t- surprising, though, to the upside as we've come out of the summer, there's been a, a wave of CLO formation on the loan side, which is the primary buyer base for leveraged loans in Europe. Uh, obviously, a big component of the U.S. market as well, but but probably even more so here in Europe. And we've been pleasantly surprised that since mid-July through through now, We've seen 16 vehicles price in the European CLO market, which has brought a total of roughly 6 billion euros of new firepower in the leveraged loan market. And on top of that, there's another likely 4 billion that's trying to price in September and October across the market. So that has brought a very liquid and uh, feel to the leveraged loan market. And as a result, very constructive behavior from, uh, from the leveraged loan buyers here. On the high yield side, similar dynamic, but slightly different in that issuance has been anemic as it has been on the leverage loan side. But in contrast to, to the CLOs as a source of new money into the high yield market, most of the money that's coming into that market has been from separately managed accounts and coupon clipping because the high yield market in Europe generates about 1.5 billion euros per month on average of coupons, which go back into the hands of the investment managers who then look to redeploy that as a new issue. So that's the positive technical side on the, on the demand side. On the supply side, as we expected, and I think had been well signaled, there's not much of a new issuance calendar of net new money expected in the back half of, of this year in Europe. So as a result, while we've seen a, a pretty nice pickup in activity, particularly in the last two weeks, it is remains a very much refinancing driven market. And as a result, while the market is as active now as it has been since any point uh, pre-summer, it is active with refinancing trades. And there's a little bit of new money getting brought to the market, but for the for the most part, what's going through market right now remains refinancing trades and should stay that way through the back half of the year. We've only got eyes on about 2 billion 
of uh, M&A related volume that is to come between now and the end of the year. Obviously, that could increase, but that's where we are for now. And to contrast, that number was 40 billion two years ago. So we've we really don't have much to come and, and, and upset this technical balance that we've got in the market right now. Okay. And, and in terms of just going on to the, staying with the M&A side that you mentioned, um, you know, it, it, you know, prior to the financing part, like, you know, just focusing on kind of M&A discussions, do you know, are more discussions taking place these days? You know, what are you seeing and hearing? Is there any, any sign of an uptick there? Yeah, to, to, to stay on, a, on an optimistic tone, there absolutely is. And we spend the I take it with a bit of a grain of salt because we've had a couple of periods like this uh, during the course of 2023 where there was an uptick in, in M&A dialogue uh, and a number of potential transactions, uh, the count increasing sharply. But then what we've seen a couple of times before this year is those auction processes have unraveled for one reason or the other. Either the, the buyer and seller couldn't agree on price and the transactions got uh, got postponed, or in a couple of cases, uh, one right before summer, uh, unfortunately, while the M&A process did complete, uh, the, the actual financing went into the direct lending market. I say unfortunately from the point of view of the distributed uh, market, which buys leverage loans and high-yield bonds. So it's been, you know, there have been a couple of false dawns so far this year. It feels like we're in a good position right now, though, where we're back again from summer and starting to see and feel that same kind of increase in the amount of potential dialogue around transactions starting to pick up. But this time, I think the, the, the X factor, we hope, will be those incredibly robust conditions for issuance and for borrowing in the leverage markets in Europe right now, we certainly hope will serve as a catalyst to get a number of these transactions finally over the finish line. So, Fingers crossed, and, and and with a with an optimistic tone, we would like to think we'll see a number of transactions get signed up in Q4, and if they don't get issued in Q4 into the market, that'll build a calendar for 2024. So, uh, cautiously optimistic that we are starting to see a slightly improved tone there. Okay, and just to take a step back for a moment, uh, in the prior question, you mentioned that there was like a lot of refinancing getting done as opposed to like the new money M and A deals. For those deals, like, is there any common characteristics there in terms of the quality of the deal or anything which kind of, uh, you know, uh, defines those deals? There, There is a certain commonality to them. I'd say for the most part, what we're seeing is a lot of activity, particularly in the last couple of weeks on the loan side. So what we have seen a few bond for bond refis, there's one in market right now, uh, for example, across uh, sterling and euros. Most of the volume has been in in loan format, and most of it has been in amend to extend format as well. Um, and we're really seeing that across all kinds of uh, credit ratings uh, and 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 industries. So everything from double Bs down to weak single Bs uh, has have been able to get through the market. You're clearly seeing a differentiation and differentiated outcomes across those executions. And you're getting, obviously, much tighter pricing done on the better rated uh, transactions, the larger, more liquid deals. But right now, the market seems to be open pretty much across the board for every sector and uh, and every ratings grade. Clearly, if you're trying to get something done that is, you know, call it weak, weak single B rated uh, in a tough, tougher cyclical sector, you're going to have a, a, a bigger battle on your hands to get to a conclusion. 
But as long as the company is viable with the extended capital structure and the cash flows make sense, even the weaker rated credits, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a hearing right now. Okay. And you briefly touched on pricing there. So broadly speaking, what are you seeing in terms of you know movement on pricing and other terms and conditions? Yeah. So on, on pricing, again, it's hard to characterize because you can have a huge range of outcomes. Uh, but so I'll, I'll, I'll probably stay away from throwing numbers at you. But if you looked at a pre-summer to where we are now on an apples for apples basis, you're probably seeing spreads tightened in by about 50 basis points from where they were uh, pre-summer. And your and OID is probably 50 to 100 basis points tighter. So a meaningful move. Uh, and again, driven by at least temporarily, that very strong technical where you've got uh, large cash balances and not enough to issue supply to, to, to use up the cash. So I think it's, I would call, I wouldn't call it a voluntary, a voluntary move in pricing. It's probably a little more involuntary, but that's, that's the scale of the move that we've seen. And clearly you'll see probably less of that at the more extreme end of the credit space. And then, and, 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 or, Conversely, the better end of the credit spectrum, because in Europe, at least on the loan side, you struggle to go too tight because you are so reliant on the on the CLO buyers, and those those vehicles are subject to arbitrage and have trouble going super tight. But in the middle, called the the middle of the bell curve, there in single B, you know, B two, B flat type ratings, you know, that's where I think you're seeing things come in, probably fifty basis points on margin and, and the 50 to 100 on OID. So a meaningful move. And we are seeing things in that band clear much closer to par than we've seen uh, at any time this year. And we're seeing that also reflected in secondaries where we're now up to almost 10% of the European loan market trading above par, which is an extraordinary level considering at the start of the year that number was was fair, fair enough zero. Yeah, great. Uh, excellent. Some good color there. Uh, and just to pivot now for a little bit, how would you describe the relationship between the syndicated loan market and the direct lending market in Europe? You know, competitive, complementary, does it vary based on individual credit? Yeah, so it's it's, it's a great question. Uh, and what, what we've seen over the course of the past 24 months is a is a waxing and waning at any given point of, 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 of both of those products. Um you know, we, we certainly saw last year in a very difficult year for the distributed market in 2022, we saw a great window for direct lending and, and a lot of success on the direct lending side when a, a number of the underwriters uh, who typically drive our market were struggling uh, and, and in many cases offline and not willing to underwrite new transactions, or if they were willing to underwrite new transactions to do so with really substantial caps, which in some cases made uh, potential transactions look very challenging from the point of view of financing. So that was a great window for direct lending and a lot of direct lending deals got printed. I think the the balance has definitely shifted now back in favor of the distributed market and the sort of pause for a second there because that doesn't mean direct lending is not viable anymore. I just think if you look at the economics of where some of the recent transactions have gotten done and take an extreme of the world pay uh, euro loan getting done at E plus 325 uh, with 50 basis points of discount, 
that's going to be extremely hard to, to match in the direct lending market. We have seen direct lending pricing tighten in in sympathy with the improvements in the distributed market, but there's still a pretty broad gap right now between where you will price a direct lending deal and where you could get uh, where you could get a print in the distributed market. Uh, we saw that first earlier in the year. We started to see recovery more on the high yield side, which for for a period was was more liquid, and where you're through the caps on most of the underwritten high yield deals, you were probably inside where you would, the levels you would achieve on a direct lending deal. We're certainly now in that position as well on the distributed loan side. Now, as I said, as a caveat, that doesn't mean direct lending is not viable and we're not going to see direct lending deals. We certainly seen in one process that we were involved in earlier in the summer, uh, a transaction that got to the finish line with a fully underwritten uh, uh, loan solution that ultimately did go into the direct lending market. So there are other drivers beyond pure price that will push the borrowers to decide to go to the direct lending market. In some cases, it's an unwillingness to go to the rating agencies, an unwillingness to provide the level and depth of reporting required to issue high yield. So there are a number of factors that can still push a borrower to go to the direct lending market. But certainly if you were a execution in execution mode today, there's no doubt in my mind that you get much more competitive pricing terms in the distributed market than the direct lending market. So those two products will continue. You asked about the relationship between the two of them, sort of like it's like a binary star system. The two orbit each other and at any given time, depending on which one is, is more advantaged, you could get better outcomes in one or the other, but there tends to be trade-offs and that goes a lot with what's going on in the macroeconomic backdrop. Okay, great. And now I want to talk about credit quality, you know, given that we've seen rates rise, you know, sharply in the last year. How is credit quality looking in both the leveraged loan and high yield bond markets? Are, are you seeing any signs of deterioration? Yeah, mo- I'd say it's modest. I mean, outside of some particularly, uh, you know, idiosyncratic names where, you have companies that have had a business model that's failed or that were extremely highly leveraged and were subject to some sort of you know, particular disruption from things like inflation or raw material input costs. For the most part, uh, we're really not seeing as much stress as we might have thought. And part of that is down to the fact that you know if you have financed yourself in the floating rate market, whether that's through FRNs or loans, there's been the gradual increase in interest rates. So your capital structure has already absorbed a fair amount of, uh, of, of the pain of rising rates. Uh, well, and then in the case of the more high yield fixed rate financed companies, those have, for the most part, <laughs> chosen not to come back to market and take the pain of what will be substantial moves in their, in their interest expense when they go from, call it, mid 4%. Uh, cost of financing to mid sevens to eight percent cost of financing, all in one fell swoop. That's definitely going to cause, uh, I think, some challenges for some of the high yield issuers. But for the most part, we've seen an, an incredible ability of companies to pass through inflation, which was one of the main concerns as a driver of potential credit deterioration. So for the most part, companies have been extremely successful in doing that. And now, in fact, as we're starting to see some deflationary pressure on things like raw materials, a lot of these companies have been able to hold price. So profitability has actually been very good. Uh, we do expect, and this is you know, in the words of our publishing analysts, we do expect that we will see a modest uptick in defaults. 
but certainly no one's expecting those numbers to get extreme. And we're talking low, low single digit numbers through the course of 2024, which really shouldn't be a major setback to the market. There still will be some of these idiosyncratic credits that struggle, whether they've waited too long to refinance and miss a refinancing window or are having some particular challenges, I mentioned, because of uh, of a particular raw material situation or an input uh, problem. Those are the kind of credits that I, I will see a few things struggle and have to get restructured. But it does feel at this point like it's going to be a very manageable scenario through 2024. Okay. And before we finish up, Ben, it's always good to look ahead. And so what's your outlook for the rest of 2023 and into 2024? What should we be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I think, look, there's still there's still a fair amount of work to do on maturity walls in 24 and 25. So you've got uh, a total of just over $140 billion that still needs to get resolved in 24 and 25 and extended. You know, to give you a sense of scale, when you included 23 in those figures from the start of this year, that total versus the 140 billion I just mentioned was 200 billion. So we've chipped away at 60 billion of that. Uh, there's also a pretty a, a pretty good 100 billion plus figure that has to get resolved in 2026, and we're already starting to see people address those maturities, particularly the early 26 maturities. So that is. If, if you take the view that we have that the market is open and conducive, and even for some of the more challenging credits, will want to find solutions to extend tenors, whether or not that involves some modest deleveraging or some sort of you know more material concessions to lenders and investors, we do think that that is a very manageable uh, amount of debt to refinance over the course of the next 24 months. Uh, but so one thing to watch as a result of that will be continued high levels of refinancing activity. We do think that the technical that I mentioned at the outset will hold, that cash balances will remain strong because we just do not have the visibility on net new money, which is going to be generated by M&A. So we do expect that the technical will hold. Um, so calling for a pretty heavy refinancing calendar, <coughs> excuse me, as discussed, should start to see, we hope, a pickup in M&A activity. Certainly, uh, financing conditions are very conducive to a pickup in M&A activity. But I think that's going to be a more first half of 24 story than, than end of uh, 23 story. So those are some of the big themes. And then in the background, we're, we're going to watch for potential disruptors on any of the potential macro issues that we've been following for the last two, two years. Uh, higher interest rates persistent inflation, the conflict uh, in Ukraine, and how that affects uh, energy prices. So there are still any number of potential disruptors out there that we have to keep an eye on. The market seems to be comfortable with those for the most part right now. But clearly, to the extent that we got a change in direction in an unexpected way on any of those macro uh, drivers, you could start to see a pickup in defaults, more concerns, spreads widening uh, in, a, in a more challenging environment. But for now, it's hard to it's hard to make that call. If anything, it feels like we're in a very constructive, fairly predictable, and, and fairly benign environment for people who are trying to raise money in the leverage loan and, and high yield markets in Europe. And with that, we will wrap up for today. We'll certainly keep a, a watchful eye on the European bond and loan markets as we start to look ahead to 2024. And thanks for joining me, Ben, and sharing your insights. It's been great. Hopefully, we'll talk again in future. Super. Thank you, CJ. And thank you all for tuning in. I invite you to check out our European syndicated loan news and analysis at loanconnector.com. 
Also, follow us on Twitter at LPC Loans. I'm CJ Doherty. Subscribe to The Lending Lowdown on your favorite podcast platform. When you contribute your fixed income deals to Refinitiv, they'll reach over half a million buy and sell side professionals around the world and be included in our industry-leading league table rankings. To ensure we're capturing your entire deal flow, visit contribute.refinitiv.com forward slash FI sign up or contact our team at contribute at refinitiv.com. Make your deal count.